having us eat ourselves from within the country. I mean, they saw what we can do. We've shown we can, we can get very angry and blow things up ourselves. They don't need to do it. Um, interesting stuff. So, so okay, so I'm, on, I'm, I'm in the same place you are, Derek. I, I started at 80%, not a chance it's going to get banned. I'm now at 50 um, and I'm moving towards one direction. Stefan, what do you think? Uh, you know, I came into this conversation probably knowing the least amount of, about the topic, but after really thinking about it, it seems like it's definitely trending in that direction. So I'm probably, I could see it going either way. Uh, it is a little bit scary from the standpoint of uh, everything we talked about. So yeah, I'd say 50, 50. Uh, I don't, I don't know what my 200,000 followers on TikTok that spend all their day abusing me in the comments are going to do with their lives. <laughs> well, uh, guys, come on over to Instagram. There'll be an Instagram, still, right? Yeah. You can still attack me there. It's okay. I'm there. What's up? Welcome to our expert talk. I think this is our fourth one we're ever doing. We're still in pilot, still in beta, so make sure you leave us lots of great feedback. Today we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. TikTok. Is it better than Facebook? I don't know. I got some interesting data to share three days into it. I'm three days in, so it's super scientific and very, you know, <laughs> yeah, we can really rely on it. I, I got some theories about the TikTok ban. I want to talk to our experts about what, whether that's really going to happen. We're going to talk about crime because it's literally hit my backyard. Like, I'm not even joking. It's literally hit my, like, my backyard. It's in my community, and I want to talk about what the hell's going on, our thoughts. We're going to talk about the entrepreneurial life on the road, because one of our experts today still isn't married and thinks that life is all about freedom. So we're going to talk to him about you know, what it's like to live his life. Um, and then just other really cool stuff we obviously have with us today. I want to welcome to our expert talk. Uh, the legend himself, uh, someone who I go way back with, probably about 20 years. He was, at the time that I bought this course, I think the president of the company. So literally the first course I ever bought about internet marketing that helped me get my start was by an individual named Corey Rudel, whose right hand in the company at that time, and eventually went on to be the CEO, was and is Mr. Derek Gale, who is here today. Derek, what's up, my friend? All right, and Derek somehow, for some reason, abandoned us information marketers and went over to the e-commerce side. So we'll talk about that, because that's what he does now. I'm sucking him back, though. I'm bringing him back to the information yeah. side. Um, and we also have with us Stefan. Now, Stefan, the stud himself, is building a SaaS. He does software as a service, and he's got a really cool webinar platform. He's just doing some other really neat stuff. And um, it's different than things I do and that most of our members do. Um, and I think the most intriguing thing about him right now is he's homeless, as I like to call it. <laughs> so he's just, he's just moving around. He's, he's living the life. One day he's in one country, the other he's in another. And I think that's a life that a lot of us can, can, can talk about. All right, so let's dive in. I want to talk about uh, TikTok so, and Facebook and why Facebook is being such a little pain in the beep. All right. It's interesting. I've got two polar opposites happening right now with Facebook ads, guys. So I'm running Facebook ads to B2C, right? That's, uh, I'm going to consumers, business to consumer. I'm selling, uh, I have a service, not selling anything. I have, I have something I'm promoting to just mass market. There you go, that's what I'm looking for. Killing it. Like I haven't seen lead cost this low in forever, right? Loving it. It's just, I don't, now, I can't attest to the quality of those leads. It'll take another few weeks, but they don't look that bad. I'm pretty impressed, man. I can do a lot of stuff. So as I'm getting ready to build my newsletter business and all these other things, I'm chomping at the bits. I'm like, ah, can't wait for Facebook. 
Stefan, I know you're killing it with Facebook and you're doing it in the like the laziest way ever. We're going to talk about that because I love that. I, I say that with love and, and great jealousy. But when we go B2B, Facebook's a piece of crap. It's so painful. It's so expensive. So obviously I've been making big changes in my business and I've been going more towards promoting to active business owners. So we have an event coming up by the time this episode comes out. Uh, Jimmy, is this coming out this Friday? All right. Okay. So yeah. So you guys can still sign up if this is just out webinarconfidential.com. It's a three day virtual event all for webinar marketers and it's about webinar marketing. So it's pretty specific and I'll give that to Facebook. But man, we started ads. We were 60, 70, $80 a lead for a free event. That's a lot of money. Knowing that only maybe 15 or 20% show up, I'm paying like $300 for a person to show up live. Like that's just, just, just too much. So obviously we got, got a few things here and there. So we kind of got some campaigns kicking in 30 to $40 range. And I was like, all right, but I'm literally, so a few days ago, I finally, um, our own board of expert member, by the way, I forgot to talk about this guys, our expert talk members, Derek, Stefan, you have to be a board of expert member to be in this stage. So wink, wink, you should join board of experts. But one of our own very own BOE members, CJ has been on me now for about six months. He's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta go to TikTok ads. You gotta go to TikTok ads. I have this like mental break, like mental thing where I'm like, I want credible businesses. They don't exist on TikTok. I don't want a bunch of kids that are twerking and dancing, right? Even though I love TikTok. So here's the irony of it. I love TikTok. I, I am on TikTok all the time scrolling. So, I, you know, here I am. I'm not that person, but he's like, you don't understand. I've built my entire B2B business. I've targeted coaches and consultants. They're on TikTok. It's crazy. It's awesome. So CJ, shout out to you. Mike Bontempo has been telling me this. Mike, uh, shout out to you. Um, I just didn't listen because that's what I do best. I didn't listen. So like three days ago, I look at Porvak in the company and I'm like, dude, we don't have a choice. We need to do something because I'm not going to hit my goal. Like I'm happy with the results, but I'm going to hit my goal. So about three days ago, we start TikTok ads right now at scale. We're at like $3,500 a day in spend. We are getting leads for Webinar Confidential at 12 to $15 a lead. Our, bit, our highest campaign is $20, right? And that's at, on, on Facebook, our lowest campaign is 25. So now I'm sitting here, I'm like, this is interesting. It's too early. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I have multiple people that are telling me they're doing this on TikTok and it's working. So it's not like I'm working out of a, so I started thinking, and here's the conspiracy theory. It really helped me affirm. I just shut down all my YouTube ads. I had about a $500 day budget going for webinar confidential. YouTube has trashed its platform. By the way, YouTube, if you're watching, you're not getting a dollar of my money anymore until you fix the targeting bullshit changes you made to your targeting. Um, so it's $400, $500 a day. I removed and I pulled $2,000 a day out of the Facebook campaign. Guess where I put it? TikTok. And now I'm wondering, is TikTok getting banned because there's really aggressive lobbying happening from Facebook and Google and other powerful players because it's taking their money and their advertising money. So I don't know if you guys have run TikTok ads or if you have any ideas or thoughts on this. It's super early. I'm just curious. I wanted to share with everyone who's listening. If you're not doing TikTok ads, there is something there and I might get banned and I don't know, I'll get two months runway out of it. But Derek, thoughts? I know you were a little surprised when I was sharing with you in private conversation. Uh, TikTok, I mean, in the info space, I think it's a bit of a different beast and, and um, 
I'm happy to hear that you're hitting those targets with, you know, the cost per acquisition per lead there is amazing. Here's how I look at it. So the CEO just sat before who was a Congress or whatever, and he had to be grilled. And they disclosed they have 150 million users in the US, right? It's probably pretty safe to say everybody has a percentage of their market on there. I think the only market that maybe isn't there is like late boomers and up. And that's not who we're targeting anyway. So they're there. The question is, is is it any different than a Facebook lead? Like all things being equal, are you driving Facebook and TikTok to the same registration process? Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't see how they're going to be any different. Yeah. Well, so really interesting point. I like what you said. I never thought about it this way. 50% of the U.S. population is using TikTok. So there has to, no matter who you're targeting, unless you're genuinely targeting the other 50%, which is hard to do, you know, whether it's age groups, political opinions, whether it's uh, hobbies or professions, I mean, there is a a sizable, at least 50% of that market is on there. So if, if my market is, let's just say I have, my total addressable market on Facebook is a million people. Well, based on that math, as a minimum, I should expect a half a million to be on TikTok as well. And yet I have 30 people competing against me on Facebook. I might have three competing against me on TikTok. And that's probably why there's a huge pricing differential for some time. Really interesting feedback. I like that way of looking. It's math. I understand that. Stefan, any thoughts on your side? I know you kill it with Facebook ads. Um, You do really well. But like, have you guys had talk about testing TikTok and looking at other platforms? We tested it briefly. Uh, we brought on a team that was reputable uh, and I'm sure they're great at TikTok ads. In, in one week, we did not have great results. So honestly, I just went back to focusing on what's working for us at the time. Uh, I'd be really curious to hear, because you guys are just, as you said, you're just started. So I think it'd be really curious to see what are the, you know, are you guys going to compare like, you know, revenue per TikTok lead versus revenue per Facebook lead when you guys are all said and done with your event? I'd love to see the difference, you know, to see like, well, when it comes down to brass tax you're getting the leads cheaper but are they producing the same revenue i'd be really curious to see that unfortunately probably not on webinar confidential because we didn't set up the tracking because it's kind of a i'm I'm gonna be honest with you i didn't think it was gonna work i it was like a eh, let's just do this to get it over with so that i can tell everybody i was right um and then it just started working and i'm like holy crap so and the events in like four or five days now so it's like let's just let it be but Right before I started this recording, I messaged our team and I said, because we are also re-engaging a few other, uh, another funnel next week for a board of experts where we're bringing in leads to talk to for a board of experts. And so now I spent time today, I filmed five, uh, five ads for TikTok for a board of experts. <laughs> I've never done that before, but these three days got me to kind of see the light. And so that I asked my team, hey, we gotta, we gotta hard code these leads and I wanna be able to come back and track but here's the thing. I spoke to Mike Bontempo about this and Mike's like, oh, he says there's so much confidence, right? In his like Italian way. He's like, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not, there's no doubt. He's like, TikTok leads will be better. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, they're gonna spend more money. They'll be better. They convert better than Facebook. I was like, all right, I mean, you've been right so far. So holy crap, that's gonna be interesting. And he's like, so I was talking to CJ and I'm like, CJ, I'm willing to spend up to $1,000 a call for board of expert leads. 
Uh, but I want, you know, they should be super qualified, know like, you know, they should know everything. They should know what they're getting in on. It's, it's not a strategy session. It's a sales call. Like it's a call to like sell you board of experts. And um, he's like, well, you know, what are the specific things? I'm like, well, I want this, 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 this. And he's like, yeah, man, I, I want calls, same metrics. It's like overlaying. And he goes, I spend about $200 a call. And, and I, I was just, it, it was enough for me to be like, cancel my day, cancel the damn expert talk, cancel everything. Like, I, I gotta go build this and double down on it. So it's interesting. Um, I gotta give these guys credit though, because they both spend millions on TikTok. So they, they know what they're talking about. Um, okay, so now we're getting all hot. I've, I'm always, uh, so one of the things I'm known for is my lack of timing. I'm like the dude that shows up when the party's ending. Like, it's just, I know how to do that. I don't know if you guys, Derek, you feel like you laugh. Like, is that you too? Because I, oh, I'm. Yeah, I'm the guy that buys the real estate right before the crash. I'm the guy that yeah. bought. Listen, I bought Google stock, okay? Because Google was gonna split. This is what a year ago or whatever. I'm not even making this up, guys. Google's. I bought it at the peak. It went up only 20 cents after I bought it. Its peak was 20 yeah. cents higher than the price I bought it, and then it went straight. And I'm, so I, I've just been like, I'm done. So anyway, so now of course I'm getting all into TikTok organically. I'm almost at 200,000 followers. I've, like things are working. My ads are kind of kicking off. And now the Congress is like, screw you, TikTok will ban you. I didn't buy it. So let's, let's pivot a little. Let's talk about this ban. I thought it's a bunch of chest beating, you know, Congress people doing whatever, making it look like they do shit for us. But then Montana, banned it. I was like, all right, go ahead. Montana also tried to ban. They said they're trying to ban all EV cars by 2035 so they can protect the oil industry. So I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to put a lot of weight on what Montana's trying to ban. <laughs> so I was going to be like, not that we all follow what Montana does a lot, nothing against you Montanians. I'm sorry, but it's just not a state. It's not a state that comes up a lot in conversation about, you know, us politics, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. So Derek, yeah or nay, you think this is all posturing? Do you think it's actually gonna get banned? Well, I, I think it absolutely has potential to get banned. I mean, we're not the only country, um, looking at this. I mean, India has already gone forward and, and, and done it right. Like yeah, second biggest back. country in the world said we're done. Um, every time I get into this conversation, I have mixed feelings on it. Uh, because on one side I go, yeah, do we want all that data? Do we, do we want to give, uh, you know, Ch China access to our economy when they've walled off their economy, right. To suck out ad dollars. So from that side of it, I kind of go, yeah, that, you know, tit for tat, right. Do I think it's going to happen? I think there is a likelihood. And that's the thing that concerns me as I'm watching people that are just doubling down on TikTok and not building any other channel. Cause uh, you know, when he sat in front of Congress and he got grilled, he said the CPP has no involvement in the company. They have no oversight in the company. And and uh, and then two days later, the CPP came out and said, we will not allow TikTok to be spun off as a, uh, you know, American company. Well, what is it? I, I thought they didn't have any oversight in this. Right. Yeah. So. So what so what happened during Trump time? It almost got sold. So they almost made the American TikTok get carved out and get sold. There were offers on the table, and that option is just not prevalent anymore. I'm just... 
I don't know. And, and I think what happened back in those days, uh, honestly, there was a lot of chest beating from from Trump. I'm going to do this, blah, 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 blah. But then he had a million other things. And, and, and honestly, I believe they were like, let's just drag this out till Trump's done. And 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 it's going to go away. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of what happened. Right. Like they did. They dragged it out. And then, you know, Biden came into power. And, and really, we didn't hear much about it for the first couple of years of Biden's presidency. Yeah. Uh, Stefan, thoughts? Do you think you think it's going to happen? I, I want to kind of know, like, like, and this is, I guess, my question on it, like when like uh, Derek, what you just said about how when the CEO got in front of Congress and said, like, the CPP is not not involved, our CCP. And then two days later, there was like some evidence that they're involved. I'm curious, like, how deep do we know for sure that this goes right? Like, like, is it all still speculation? Like, you know, it still seems like there's a lot of unknown questions in that area. Well, so if you so I watched the actual congressional hearing, I've seen maybe three or four in my life. That was intriguing to me. And I watched it. And um, I don't know how this, the CEO of TikTok came out so heroic uh, afterwards. Not that he did a bad job, but he did not answer the question as to whether China has access to our data. And actually, the amount that he avoided answering that question told me the answer, told everybody, including people that were grilling him the answer. Right. And he kept bouncing to the tech project Texas, which I was thought was hilarious because a Texan uh, representative was like, can you please stop calling it that? Because we want nothing to do with you. <laughs> so, um, but that's where they're moving their data center. And he kept saying, this is what is happening. And they kept calling him out saying, forget what is happening, what is today? And he, he wouldn't answer that question. So they clearly have access to our data. There is an actual law in China that you have to give them anything they ask for and you have to keep it a secret. Like it's it's a double fold law. So I don't think it's, I do think they have access to my data now. I don't know if the Chinese are watching me for the most part, I'm literally watching videos of people that do voiceovers over animals. And um, I'm watching, yeah. I'm watching uh, stand up comics. So if, if China gets a kick out of that data, like <laughs> all of our power to you. That's I, I, I don't think the concern is really, you know, what they're doing with it today it's the potential of what they, what they could, could do, do yeah. with it in the future yeah. that yeah. we're concerned about right well i'll give and you an example what is that what is that potential though because like kind of onyx point like they're watching videos of uh, people twerking like what what is china gonna like i'm curious myself well, what are they gonna do with it I, I mean look what russia was able to do with election meddling on a platform they didn't even own yeah so right. so i'll tell you stefan so I, I actually thought about this a lot and so um, now I will tell you that they do know politically which way I lean. There's no way they don't know that through the data of what I watched. They're, they're, they just know, right? Now, what I found fascinating was a few days ago, I saw a video very pro-Putin, okay? And it was Putin speaking sense. All right. And I watch because and I know I'm watching this, right, because I'm smart enough being a marketer. I'm like, yo, I think this might be propaganda marketing. I think this might be the literal thing that they're talking about in Congress. So let's watch it. I want to see how this impacts my brain. So I'm watching this. Like, it's almost like watching the video from like over myself. And I'm, like, and I'm listening to Putin. All right. Guys, do not give me hate talk in the comments. I'm just 
It was an experiment I ran. I am not a Putin supporter. I can just hear all the negative comments that are going to come. Um, yeah, just like, it's, in case that's not obvious, I'm like, but I'm listening to a thing, which, by the way, he's speaking in Russian. I don't know Russian. And so I'm reading the translation. So, so whoever's translating could have just written anything. He, he may not even been talking about anything. It was just literally what they wrote, right? So totally I'm aware of this. And he's saying things about the U.S. and about things that the West has done that are kind of like, well, you know, like, yeah, like a lot of us all say like the Iraq war, like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that, you know? And he's talking about a lot of these things. And I finished watching this two minute video and I'm like, I remember the thought, I'm like, damn, Putin made sense. And then immediately I said, that, whoa, <laughs> like, yeah. holy shit, dude, that's scary. That worked and that, that's dangerous, right? Because that was Putin having direct access to me. Yeah, um, I think the marketer in me just realized they have the biggest email list in the world, really, if you think about it, the biggest audience, right? That's really what it is. Yeah. They, have, you know, they know exactly everything about you. They could reach you in a yep. moment. Yes. So imagine this. Imagine there's something happening in the media. Like we have gone through in our world, we are the more the, the, the dichotomy has never been so strong. Like there is a left and a right, a clear, there is no middle. You pick sides and you kill the other side. Like that's just how the, so they can play into that, right? Like, and they can really just die. So I do see that. And um, unfortunately the average person is just not intelligent enough to, to catch the propaganda. Uh, and uh, sorry, not intelligent enough. They're just not aware yeah. enough about how these things work, so. Yeah, about so like, control and all that, yeah. Yeah. Do you really? Okay, I just want I just want to go back and just one of those conversational points. So you you say you know you're right. The the world is definitely more polarized. There's a left and there's a right, and there's nobody in the middle. Do you really believe that? Like I I think I honestly think the most of us probably sit somewhere. Sorry, no no no. I I sorry you're yeah and you and I have talked about this before. I say that's what we that's what we're being made to think right. Um, yes. And and here's the thing though, I, I agree with you. I do sit in the middle. Right. But God forbid I say that in one room or the other. So it's just weird thing. So I actually think the middle is the biggest, but the minority is the loudest. So they yank you towards one side. I will say, though, as elections come and as all of the chatter begins, like Derek, yeah, I pull away from the middle, man. And I go to the side that I'm on because it just the other side just starts to really piss me off. And so so that's where the dichotomy settles in. But, yeah, if, if we could stop what the politicians do and how they play us and we and we stop the propaganda that i i sit right in the middle right and, and like but yeah thing though is like human beings in general i think are pretty like you know aside from polarizing uh, narratives for the most part sit in the middle on a lot of things but you know what's interesting when it comes to like putting out content what are we taught to do like we're Polarized. taught that us versus them work really well yeah. like andrew tate yeah. right us versus them, uh, be polarizing. And all of a sudden it just, it, it ignites something in a human that, that creates the emotional side to come out to say, no, I'm with that, right? So you might not be totally with that, but Anik, you just said yourself earlier that you know you were watching a video about Putin where he just said some stuff that you probably agree with. And we probably, most of us would agree with some of the stuff that he said. So for some reason we're pulled to that one piece and now it feels like we're totally resonating and totally identifying yeah. with that one piece. What is it in humans that does that? You know? Yeah, I don't know. But I just know so many people are going to attack us on this episode. Like, Bunch of Putin followers. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. I, I will say I started off very like, eh, politicians just being politicians. And then I got to the point where I'm like, 
Yeah, we're in a world now where I, I actually think World War Three isn't about the nukes. I don't think it is about weapons and because that's just that's just mutual destruction. That's just stupid. Yeah. But I do think it's about propaganda and cyber yeah. warfare and you know shutting down the electrical grid and all that jazz and having us eat ourselves from within the country. I mean, they saw what we can do. We've shown we can we can get very angry and blow things up ourselves. They don't need to do it. Um, interesting stuff. So, so okay. So I'm on I'm I'm in the same place you are, Derek. I, I started at 80%. Not a chance it's going to get banned. I'm now at 50, um, and I'm moving towards one direction. Stefan, what do you think? Uh, you know, I came into this conversation probably knowing the least amount of, about the topic, but after really thinking about it, it seems like it's definitely trending in that direction. So I'm probably, I could see it going either way. Uh, it is a little bit scary from the standpoint of uh, everything we talked about. So yeah, I'd say 50-50. Uh, I, don't, I, don't I, don't, I don't know what my 200,000 followers on TikTok, TikTok that spend all their day abusing me in the comments are going to do with their lives. Guys, come on over to Instagram. They'll be on Instagram. Yeah, you can still attack me there. It's okay. I'm there. There's a new uh, shit. What is it called? I forgot the name, but it's some other platform. Hey, Jimmy, can you Google it? There's a new TikTok platform started by the founders of some company. Yeah, it's a, it starts with a C. You're right. Yes, it's catching on. Jonathan Montaya was talking about it in the group as well because uh, he is starting to get a ton. However, so I went to Ryan McGinn, who's like the shorts expert, TikTok expert, and I asked him about this platform, I said, hey, should we be putting my videos on there? And he said, there's a lot of talk that they're using robots and BS numbers to make it look like you have a lot of views so that it creates that effect of people running over. And I was like, damn, that's smart too. Why, is, why market? This is why marketers can't have nice things, guys. We blow everything up. This is why we can't have nice things. Um, all right, so Derek, when you were here, and Stefan, I know you can talk to this too. Let's talk about, let's, let's pivot. We'll come back to marketing, everybody. Don't worry, we'll come back to marketing. But I gotta talk about this because this is so close to me. Lemon? Lemon eight. All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I got this, the Z, the, what is it, Gen Z? Gen Z, you guys are just funny. You're funny, funny, funny bunch. All right, lemon eight. Lemon eight. All right, so um, so this is like a week ago. Derek, when were you here? You were here last week, right? Last week. Yeah, so I think like right before you came or the day that you had landed, um, there is an old couple. So my house is here and literally 100 yards from my house. You kind of go behind, the, behind these other houses and there's like a small little pond. And it's 5 p.m., bright daylight, old couple, 70s, walking. Some dude runs up behind them, pushes them over. They both go flying, landing on asphalt, okay? Uh, thank God, not hurt, um, to rob them of their purse and then runs away. And uh, this is in our neighborhood is a, is a pretty, pretty upscale neighborhood. We're not, we're not like gated community or anything, but we're a subscale. We, uh, the area this happened, it's 100 yards from where my daughter gets walked. We, we take walks outside twice a day. Right um, now we stay. So now there's messages going around in the community apps and stuff saying, stay on the main roads. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? Like, this is not why. I, what? No, I, I, I don't want to live where I'm told to stay on the main roads. What's going on here? Well, that's not the only crime. So there was another robbery nearby to that. 
Um, and then we found out just a few days ago, they passed around a note saying cars are being uh, broken into. And so now my wife and I literally are sitting here having a conversation. And I was like, where's our future? Like this, I don't want my daughter playing outside here. Like she will be playing outside in the next couple of years. Like, no. Right. So, um, and you mentioned something really interesting, Derek, talk about what you said. You live in Vancouver and you do live in a upscale neighborhood as well. You, you told me something that just downright made me laugh, like what people are doing there. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, our, our neighborhood, again, is a really nice area west of Vancouver. And uh, it, it, I mean, we're on the map where literally people will take the bus out to our neighborhood and go break into houses because they can, you know, the houses are spaced out. You can't really see them from each other. Um, so it's easy to break into houses and lots of people in this neighborhood travel and they'll steal stuff. And then they steal a bicycle so they can ride back to the city. And uh, since I've lived in the house I've been in, we're here for five years. The houses on either side of me have been broken into a couple times, sometimes while people have been home. And in fact, my older son, uh, a couple months ago, caught a guy, a meth addict, who was leaving our neighbor's house. And this is like, you know, we live in one of the safest cities and one of the safest neighborhoods. Now, this is new. Is this last few years? Is this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely getting worse. But crime as a whole is getting worse. And I have theories. Um, well, so how how come? And I like I like I like. Tell us why your house hasn't been robbed. And I want my wife to hear this. That's oh, why. Yeah. So I mean, my house hasn't been robbed simply because I have a big sign at the end of the driveway that says "Monitored by Video Surveillance, Guard Dog on Duty," and I've got a German Shepherd. I love it. So I'm this close, this close now to getting my wife to finally accept. Well, look, my neighbor, so I have a neighbor that's right next to us, older guy. He's awesome. I love him to death. Richard, if by chance you've fallen on this episode, what's up? Uh, he has four dogs and uh, they're awesome. And he walks them every day. It's four dogs like sprawling in front of him, right? And they're, they're not like, they're not like German shepherds or anything, but still, I'm like, any dog. Yeah, you're just not going to approach that guy. It's just you don't know what you're dealing with, right? You don't know which of those dogs is freaking going to chase you. Um, so the, I have begun the case with the wife. I think this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, and initially she said you can get a little dog. I'm like, what the hell is a little dog going to do? I need, I, need a, I need a German Shepherd, man. I need something that's going to make an impact. Um, so we'll come back to your theories. I want to hear your theories, Derek, as to like why you think this is happening. I don't really have any, but I'm super concerned, man. This is not why, this is not the US or the, this is just not the life I was, I'm used to. Stefan, you live in freaking New York where people are walking up to people, punching them straight in their mouth yeah. for no reason or pushing them onto the railway tracks and the subways. Like what, what's going on over there? What's the talk in the city about the crime and, and all that? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I do think that, Derek, the theft field trip is interesting, taking a bus over to a good area. The theft field trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. The theft field trip. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, New York is interesting. Uh, I, yeah, so I base here a lot of the time outside of travel. And, uh, you know, I was here, especially in the thick of during the whole COVID thing, you know, seeing that was like, just honestly, it felt like a ghost town slash zombie wasteland a lot of the times. Uh, but you know, at the moment I do take the subway and, uh, you know, I'm lucky that I've never had any, any, uh, issues, but the, you know, it is kind of scary because you hear stories of, uh, you know, you get on a train 
and some guy just comes in with a gun and starts freaking out and you're kind of trapped in there, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, I don't know if you guys saw, they have these new cars coming out uh, where there's no more doors between cars. So I think of it from the negative standpoint where, okay, so if there's this train design where people can free flow between cars, if there is a guy with a gun, you can't really confine him to one car now. He can actually free flow throughout the entire train. So that's something that I'm thinking about now when I'm, you know, on the subways. But, um, you know, I, I think as of late, it's definitely a little better than it was during like the thick of everything like a couple of years ago. But uh, you see a huge increased cop presence on the subways. And I think maybe that is a good part of it, to be honest with you, because I see a lot more cops around and that might discourage certain people from doing certain things, you know. But isn't that ironic? Because this whole defund the police campaign right but the only thing that's helping is by increasing the police presence yeah for sure and uh you know just speaking from a strictly factual standpoint i feel safer in those uh subways when i see police you know i'm not worried about someone doing anything you know the interesting thing i will say though the ride fare skips are ridiculous i think about 40 percent of people in new york are just hopping the turnstile and something inside of me actually gets really angry when i see that because I'm like, I'm paying for it. Why paying should you be yeah. paying for it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, you know, there's definitely a lot of that going on. And the, you know what's funny is people will do it. And then they'll even TikTok. You'll see this on TikTok of people doing it in front of the cops just to show that the cops don't do anything. And I think that's so interesting because now it's a culture of like, hey, I could do this thing. And there's a cop here. And he's just going to stand there and he can't do anything. And I'm just going to keep doing it, you know? So it's, it's uh, kind of in that dynamic now yeah. uh, where, but you know, yeah. for violent crimes, at least, obviously we've got cops around. So I, I, I feel good about that. That said, you know, there's certain parts of the city where I, I, uh, I go down and I'm just like, I'm never coming back to this part of the city because <laughs> it's just like, a, ugh. you know, this, this, this story goes back like many years, 15, 10, 15 years. I don't remember. It goes back. Wait. First time I ever saw people, in droves skipping over the gates to get into the um, subway was believe it or not in france so so like we hear france we think paris we think eiffel tower the loon like you know champ de chalice or whatever the hell it's called i don't i'm not a big paris fan but holy crap like there are parts of france where like i would rather be caught like in like the worst part of dc before i'm caught in those parts of like france or paris and so we, I was traveling with my buddy and we, we had a couple extra days and we were like, hey, where should we go? And they're like, oh, you should go to this like really famous flea market or whatever. We ended up in like, I, I swear, I mean, I, I saw someone get mugged in front of me at a McDonald's. I had never seen that before. I was a college kid just starting college. And so I had never seen that. And in New York, I've been to New York so many times, so many times I've never seen someone skipping over the... The, I had never seen in my life. So now you're saying that it's actually becoming like a thing to do for sport, which is. Oh yeah. Like 34, there, there was a, there was something that came out where they said it's like studies estimate 30 to 40% of people are skipping uh, the turnstile. So it's like, it's not like it's some small amount. I see that like, if you're paying attention for it, uh, you know, cause I ride the subways multiple times a week, maybe not every day, but like very often I'm, you know, using it to get from here to there. So I see like, if you're looking for it, you see it, you know, it's there yeah. and it happens quite frequently. If you just watch the turns down, like you'll see tons of people just do it, you know? That's crazy. Well, so Derek, what are, what are your theories? Like, why do you think, I mean, this, to yeah. me, it seems like. I think the first thing we've got to realize is we do live in the safest time in history, right? Like when you really factor in like across history, 
we live in the safe, safest time. Um, and, you know, as humans, I think we're always looking for what is the simple explanation to why we're seeing this increase in crime and violent crimes and stuff like that. And uh, I, I mean, I don't think there's one simple explanation. I think we've brought together a whole layer of issues that are now kind of driving to this. And, uh, you know, first of all, disparity, right? Like there's a growing disparity between the haves and the have nots. Yeah. Um, and, and when I look at AI and all that stuff, I think it's just going to get worse. Right. Get worse. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, it's interesting. So I'm going to bring a Canadian perspective to it. Right. Um, you know, cause we have different social systems than you guys have, you know, I've got, uh, you know, us friends that call us communists. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and, and, but you know, I think it's one of those things that if we continue to let the disparity grow, eventually, when the group down here gets desperate enough and big enough, you have a major social issue where they just take what they want, right? Um, and I think we have a disparity issue that's going to grow over the last few decades. But I think the real issue that we're really seeing now, a couple things. So what you brought up in terms of people skipping the um, the turnstiles and not paying. And, and where are you seeing that? You're seeing that on TikTok, right? So TikTok and social media and all these things uh, breed copycats. And so if you go back before, um, so uh, like everybody in my family are cops, right? So I, I've, I've had an interesting, you know, I'm, I'm the only one that didn't go that route. And uh, so the reason before social media existed, when there was a suicide, it was never published in the newspaper, um, is simply be because they know it creates copycats, right? Yeah. And now we live in a time where every major shooting, every major, even minor shootings, crimes, kids skipping that are being pushed out over social, which I think that does create a copycat mentality, right? Yeah. Um, and otherwise, people wouldn't even think about it. Like, oh, that well, that guy did it. I saw it 10 times on TikTok. Why don't I do it, right? So that's where social media is negative. I think the other challenge that we, we honestly run into is social media as much as we're more connected than we've ever been i truly believe we're less connected to each other than we've ever been at the same time as well because we have these real artificial connections where we think oh yeah i know what onyx doing today but i haven't talked to onyx in, in two years right and 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 so what's happening and this is really prevalent with the young males in society now is they're not creating connections anymore, right? Um, if you look at Tinder, for example, like, I think it's like 5% of the guys get 90% of the action. I could talk a lot about platform. this one. <laughs> on that platform, right? So you have this entire, and now you have a society where you have a whole bunch of young males that um, they're not able to connect. They're not able to build community. They don't have the function, like the, the outlets that they had before. They don't have relationships. They don't have voices of reason around them. All they're doing is receiving a daily confirmation bias that they're treated unfairly, poorly. Um, and, and this is what social media feeds to them. And guess what happens when you have young single men without opportunity en masse, they get radicalized, bad things happen every single time. Like, like it's textbook, right? So 
you know, we could we could even say like, I'm not a religious person. I've never gone to church. But I mean, you look at the breakdown of the church in terms of enrollment. I think that's had a huge impact. I mean, when you think about it, the church used to be a place where every Sunday, whether you're single, married or whatever, you could go and have community, right? People you could connect with, you could meet people, you could meet like minded people, stuff like that. We're missing that now. And so what does that lead to? That leads to, you know, guys that are violent, violent crimes. Right. And uh, and so we've got these layers of issues. And frankly, I don't think anybody's doing anything about it. You touched on so many things there. And I love mm -hmm. this conversation. But uh, there's a common thread uh, on because, you, you know, we pivoted a little bit in there. But there's a common thread here is that in general, between uh, business or social life or dating, things are getting more competitive. And yeah. to your point, there's a bigger gap growing. And like, yeah. you're either on that, like higher, more competitive, you got to keep upside or you're not. And to your point, I think a lot of people at the bottom end that are not keeping up are getting more frustrated. So like you said, maybe they're frustrating in the dating context. Maybe they're frustrated in the, uh, you know, social context. Maybe they're frustrated because they're making, they're not making enough money and they're seeing all these other people, you know, some guy made a million dollars on crypto or someone started a business that's doing a million dollars, right? Yeah. Like there's, the, you're right. It's the gap. It's that increase in competition. Some people are going to keep up. And some people aren't. And I could speak to it from the dating perspective briefly, but like on these apps, you're absolutely right. It's getting ridiculously competitive. Like just for like, cause some people are aware of like, if I get better photos, uh, if I get in better shape, like from a guy perspective, yeah. I'm going to be able to court a mate easier. Whereas like a lot of the people who don't do that, they're just putting up average photos and they're just getting pissed off. because like, well, it should be working, but it's not working. Right. But that's like the perfect metaphor for like social business and dating. If you think about it. You know? Yeah, totally. And 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 uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, ladies that are watching this, if you want a date with the beautiful Stefan, send me an email, onik at learn.com. I'll put it together for you. All right, he's a great guy. I I, I tell you, he's a stud of studs. So ladies, he's looking. He's looking for connection. Onik at learn.com, email me. I won't even charge for it. I'll, I'll I'll vet you, I'll make sure you're the right connection. We'll get you on a date. Stefan will take you on a amazing amazing date in new york city uh you guys will fall in love stefan that's what's going to happen man you're going to find your wife here on the expert talk uh my affiliate link is is right here uh so you know something really interesting i just wanted to hit on something you said you said people are watching this guy made a million dollars in crypto. This guy's, you know, you know, dating whatever this supermodel. Okay. Something interesting I found, and this was years ago that leads to this conversation. One of the things I felt I always thought was go to my community and find those who are very successful and highlight their success to the rest of the community that have bought my courses and it's because it's inspiring. It's motivating. It shows people what can be done. Look, someone just like you has, and you know what I quickly found out? It was one of the most demotivating things we could do. We actually found that in a community of people that have bought our courses where there are daily struggles, we can introduce their stories, but we had to do it in a very different way. We had to introduce them very softly. We had to talk about all the struggle. We had to introduce them through the preface and make sure that the connection was established. But if I brought them in, like, here's how this person's making X, Y, Z per day, it actually led to people getting depressed because the thought that they would have was what's wrong with me. If they're able to do it, oh my God, I can't do it. I suck. I, I'm going to fail. So for those marketers who are listening to this and you're, you're, there was something we actually learned. And I was 
for me, it was one of the most mind-blowing things. It made sense because I have had those moments now. And just so everyone knows, by the way, so I, I'll tell this story real quick. So there was someone, obviously I won't mention names, who, who postures on social media very well, right? And I've watched them for years, and I was literally like, why can't I be more like them? Their success, their different businesses, their investments, and this. And my God, they just seem so well put together. They've got their shit together with me. I'm so confused. My ha This investment's falling apart. This is going here. This is going on. I'm a mess. And why can't I be more like this person? Well, you know what I found out later on? Through a series of events, and I really feel like God brought me to this because I was obsessing over this for a while, okay? I found out that person is broke. They're flat out broke and they are struggling and having massive issues in their life. And I remember thinking, dang it, man. You just never know. Half of what we're seeing, 80% of what we're seeing is bullshit. And we let it get in our heads and drive us insane. And it's just bullshit. And for me, I try with the community to be upfront. I never hide my crap. I'm like, guys, this is a true story. I am not always happy and I'm not always doing great. Um, because I want everyone to understand, right? Because don't think like, yeah, I drove here in a really nice car, uh, but now and now I have to go take it for servicing, and it's going to cost me a lot of money, and it's pissing me off, and I wasn't having a great morning, and so, anyways, uh, Derek, I felt like you had something you wanted to say, so I'll turn it over to you. No, I, I just agree with what you said, and I think you know, I mean, when I first started speaking in my early twenties. I was always, you know, I'd get up and rattle off my accomplishments and, you know, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. And, and what I learned is exactly that would actually just create a bigger gap between me and the audience. Now it's, uh, okay, here's some of the stuff I've accomplished. Yeah, but let me tell you who I really am. I barely graduated high school. I'm ADD as fuck. Uh, you know, I, you know I, I, I get distracted easily. Um, you know, like I, I'm a regular human being. And once I bring myself down to that level, I, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come up to me after and say, wow, that gave me hope. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, I'll share this funny side story. I was at, uh, and no disrespect here intended whatsoever to the person, because I'm going to mention the name. So I, I had years ago, years, years ago, when Ty Lopez was kind of on the up and coming, like, like everything was about Ty Lopez, right? This was about a year or two, two years after he had done the Lamborghini video. Um, I was invited to, um, to come to his house to meet with him and to do a podcast or something. I really felt like it was, I walked into anarchy. I mean, it was his, it was his big Beverly Hills house and there, it was, it was his office. There must have been 50 people in that house. There was three chefs working. There was this, there was that. There was people all over the pool. There was, it was madness. It was crazy. And I remember thinking, holy crap, what is going on over here? This is like, you know, and um, one thing I came to learn was like, oh, like, and it was never, never did, you know, Ty ever say that he owned the house or whatever, but I went up to learn that the house was rented. So I was like, okay, whatever. I don't, I don't blame that. But here's something I found that was really interesting and fascinating to me as I'm leaving I'm actually opening the door to leave and there's like these like three models just standing at the other side of the door waiting to get in. And I was like, oh, hello, ladies, like, come on in. Like, I, I'm not, this is not my house, but yeah, sure. And so I happened to ask one of the employees, I'm like, what's going on? And, they're like, and he's like, oh, they're here to work out with Ty. And I'm like, some nice, nice workout mates, you know, like good for him. And he's like, no, man, they're models. He pays for them. Like he pays them to come work out here. And I'm like, I'm not following. He's like, gets more views. 
his workout videos get three times more views when he's working out with good looking girls. And I just remember sitting there and I'm just like, I've seen those videos. And I always just thought they're his friends and they're working out with him. I'm like, you know, I was like, holy shit. Like, God, you know, we're so easy to. You're smart. You understand how the business works, right? And still. Yeah. And still take some 20 something year old guy who's yeah. pumping gas, has very little options. He sees these videos and just where does that lead him? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I will say this, though. So whether this is probably a controversial topic or not, but I don't think the entitlements have helped. I don't think the hand me downs are helping. I don't think forcefully taking money from one to the other and giving it, I think it's accelerated the problem. I think it's hurting, but I completely agree. There is a, there is this, this, this weird differential happening and there needs to be empowerment um, brought. But I am, I'm like strictly on the other side of, you can't just like go and take and then give because that doesn't, I don't, I don't see that leading to positive in results too. And I feel like some of the crime is coming out of that, that entitlement. But I gotta tell you, I mean, the, there is an, also an epidemic of drugs. And so the person, the person who robbed the elderly couple, I mean, it's hard to tell because he's fully covered, but he doesn't look like an older person. He's probably a young guy. And it, I mean, if you're addicted to drugs and you need a hit and you don't have any money, you're gonna do stupid shit. I mean, to, to get it. So, I mean, that's all, that's all what we've told ourselves as a community to like kind of just say like make ourselves somewhat okay with it but um we don't know and, and and he's not gonna get caught i mean there's no way of knowing he was fully covered like he's out he's done like he's probably sitting in pennsylvania by now like i don't know like he's not gonna get caught we don't we don't expect him to get caught so here, here lies the problem though we talk about and and we talk about okay you know taking from one and giving to the other isn't the answer and, and i i agree paying i feel like i pay enough tax already yeah. right um but at the same time, what are we doing to empower those people? Last I checked, we're automating jobs, we're getting rid of jobs, we're so, so and, and then you have this massive disparity between, and I'm not talking about middle class, upper class. Yeah, I'm talking about, you know, the 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 multi-billionaires and 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 then down here where you've got this other side that has nothing. Where do you go from there? How do you fix that? I, I have one thought on this actually. And one big thing that's probably changed from the last time either of you guys have come to New York is the whole city just smells like one giant uh, uh, stick of marijuana. What, what a oh, dude, Washington DC, all I have to do is get out of my car and I'll be high in about 30 seconds. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's the same thing down there. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, Derek, Derek, this is an awesome story. I'm in Vancouver. I'm staying at that hotel. It's a beautiful hotel. I'm forget the, I forget the name of it now. And so I get in the, they, they, they drive you anywhere you want to go. It's free. Like yeah. you get in their seven series car. This is why I love Vancouver. Vancouver is amazing. I get in their car. So my wife and I, we love doing shisha, hookah, right? No, not, no nefarious activity in it. Just straight up like tobacco hookah. And so we looked up this place. <laughs> His smoke shop or his hookah shop. We get in and we tell the guy, the driver, like, take us here. And he kind of turns around. He's like, okay. And this is before it was legal in Vancouver. I found this fascinating. So in Canada, before marijuana usage recreationally was legal, it was everywhere. Like there were shops and, 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 and the cops did nothing about it. It was, it was legal without being legal. So we roll up to this place and I'm looking at it from the outside. I'm like, 
that's a funky looking hookah shop, but all right. And then I get out of the car and, and the driver, thankfully, I think he figured out that we didn't know what we're doing. So he stayed. And my wife and I walked like three steps towards it. I'm like, I'm like, uh, yeah, I think what? And I walked in and it was probably the most happening like scene I've seen in a long time. I just wasn't, I mean, it wasn't for me or my wife, but I walked out and we got right back in the car and he was like, thought you might get back in the car. He's like, what are you looking for? I was like, shisha, not like, not that. And he's like, I know where to take you. But I, I found it to be hilarious. And that was one of my first like, and then I asked him, I said, is it legal? And he's like, nope. I'm like, dude, that's like on Main Street. This is like a proper, proper shop, Main Street, like not hidden. And he's like, oh yeah, they don't do anything about it. I'm like, yeah, fascinating. All right. Um, so... Oh, so right down this when you're here next, right down the street, there's a hookah place, and I like I know the owner. Like we have a, uh, we have like a. I walk in. Here, here's me at the hookah place right down the street from where the Learn Center is. I walk in and I sit down, and like our order, our drinks, everything is recognized by the owner. He just brings it over. He's awesome. So, uh, my wife and I are married today because of hookah. All of our first, all of our dates when we first met were going to hookah. I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about this. She's gonna kick my ass, but. Um, hopefully her mom's not watching. Um, so, okay. So I, I hear you. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to have a solution, Derek, as to like how we, how we solve that problem. I hear you. But I also feel like if you start putting caps as to how wealthy someone can get, it kind of just unfolds motivation and inspiration. Yeah. So, you know, so it's, it's, yeah. So it's, it's, it's an issue. Breaks down a capitalist economy. Um, yeah. I don't know. So, I don't know what the answer is, but I know what we're doing now isn't working. And, and, and I think we're on a on a crash course for a bit of a reckoning one day. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, it's happening. It's it's definitely happening. I'm the youngest on this this uh, call right now. But I think after what I'm about to say, I'm going to sound like the oldest person on this call by an order of magnitude. But like, for example, like if I'm walking through Times Square, right, and I'm going somewhere or doing something and I see like 100 people my age in the middle of the day just smoking a joint, doing mm -hmm. nothing. I literally think to myself, what the fuck are you guys doing? Go build something, go do something. You know, I know I'm going to sound like a 90 year old man with this, but is there still some truth to that? Like that your actions lead to certain results. Can you encourage people to take better actions instead of just sitting there smoking so, a joint for 10 hours in a day? Superb question. And I've had this conversation with others on the other side of this debate. And I've been told that me asking the question is a privileged question. And so not, got it, not getting offended, I said, let's dig deeper into this. I want to know more about why you think this is a privileged question. Why those? And the, the thing that was brought up was that they don't actually have the same inspiration, motivation, and the same belief in what can be that we innately have given how we were brought up and given what we've seen in our environment. So they don't know what to chase or what to do because they don't actually believe it will do anything. And so they have such a negative view of what is possible. They find that it is just as fine and better that they just spend that time smoking the blunt, sitting on the side of the road. And, I, and it was fine because I think first few times I heard it, I was like, this is a bullshit argument. Then I'm like, All right, I guess I kind of see it. Like, like, okay, for example, you know, you got a billionaire buying something, you know, buying stock in something or doing something. And then someone comes to me and says, why aren't you doing the same thing? My response would be like, I'm not a freaking billionaire. I don't got their kind of resources. I'm not going to get the same results. I don't got the connections they have. I don't know politicians like they do. So I might, I might choose also not to engage in that activity. Same type of, you know, thought process. I don't like it, but 
um, you know, um, so my wife was in, uh, she was a juror in a, in a, in a trial, like in a trial, she actually got picked for jury duty. And it was really interesting to hear, to, to hear the perspective of how race played such an impact in the eventual ruling over the person. So it was, it was a, it was a guy who got caught drug dealing, but he was like in the car, but not really, he was like not doing it, but doing it, but he, he had like a history of also doing it. So it was like, was he doing it? And, and he'd go to jail if he was. And so for a few people in the jury, it was like a duh. Like after listening for a day, I was like, yeah, he's guilty. And then there were a few other people that that came more from that. No, I wouldn't say came from that, that understood more the background of that guy and the community from which he came. And they actually wanted to just rule not guilty. Even though he was guilty, they wanted to rule not guilty so that he wouldn't go to jail for it because their argument was he doesn't know any better, so he shouldn't be punished for it. And that became a big debate. And so I, I've heard about it, obviously, when she came home. And it was like, it was really interesting to see that the, the three people who were making that argument, they argued for a very long time. It was a strong argument. It wasn't until the judge came in and said, that's not how you rule. That's a faulty thought pattern. You can't, if you think he's guilty, he's guilty, that they had to change their thought. And so it was like, in our justice system now, it's like people are starting to perceive whether a certain law applies just because of their upbringing or what they had access to. Right? Laws should be pretty black and white. You broke it or yeah. you didn't break it. Um, yeah. But in terms of, your history, your upbringing, you know, when you see those kids sitting on the side of the road, you don't know what their background was. If they grew up in a house with, you know, no opportunity, dad left, mom, you know, wasn't there, uh, abuse, all this stuff. Yeah. They don't have the wiring to even consider the opportunity. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're all in places of privilege, right? I mean, you know, how we were raised, um, the values we're given, the opportunities that we've had. Uh, we've worked hard. We can't deny that, right? Um, but on the flip side, uh, back to what you were talking about, Onik. I mean, uh, I've come kind of over that side. The more you talk to these people, like, yeah, I get it. You don't see the yeah, opportunity. I'm, I'm not fully over it. I still think there's I still think there's responsibility and possibility. Like, like for me, my dad, I always tell my story of my dad. He grew up in a village where he literally had to study under lamps, uh, under uh, candles and street lamps. They had no electricity. Ironically, he went on to become a mechanical nuclear, me nuclear mechanical engineer who oversaw two nuclear power plants in the United States. Kind of ironic, but um, he worked his ass off. The thing, though, is that he had a father who pushed him, who told him this can be achieved. You yes. need to achieve this. You need to pull this family out of this area. You, need, you are the next name for the family. And that made such an impact on him that he came to me and said, you are the next name of the family. And that pushed me to do bigger things. And so the, the thing is, yes, he came from nothing and became something big, but he had a father and a mother and multiple siblings who said, you are the chosen one we will do whatever we can to support you now go do great things and so that is a communal thing that we need to figure out how to help those communities that don't have that that uh, and i don't have a solution so uh just go ahead but I, I do wonder so that's all true 100 percent. i think that things are never totally black and white though right like there's shades of gray to everything and oh, yeah. i do wonder where does societal narrative play because i don't know if you guys look into this but the united states is the least capitalist it has been 
in ages, like literally in like what, 30, 40 years. Like, I think I saw that more people in communist China believe in capitalism than do in the United States right now. There's some chart that I saw recently. I'm wondering because America had this narrative for a long time, right? Of people come here and you're going to make it here. And it attracted a certain type of person that maybe had a certain type of mindset, but Mm -hmm. Is it like cause and effect, right? Like, is it the narrative that's causing the outcome or the or the outcome that's causing the narrative? Because the narrative now is obviously very different, right? We're not just blindly saying to everyone, go build something and you could make it. The question is, it, where would that still potentially be a place that could help people that are in underprivileged situations versus just telling them that they're underprivileged and that, oh, you have everything working against you. So you're, you know, we're gonna we're gonna coddle that you feel this way. Is that all? Is, I, I agree with you. I, I think there's been a bit of that. And I think that's what Derek was talking about earlier is when you, when you are that, you are that young man who's, who's watching all these great things happen on all the social media, but then you're being fed this message repeatedly yeah. of how unfair world is and life is to you. I think that's actually the biggest thing that changed in the last four or five years is that messaging got amplified, right? And then because it is amplified, that's why I'm saying, I don't think it's helped. I think it's hurting. Um, because now it's empowering the people that that relate to that message in a in the wrong way almost. It's like, yeah. well, it's it's not empowering them to get out of it. It's empowering them to say, oh yeah, you put me in it. Now I'm going to fight. Yeah. So, but hey, three of us probably none of us are from that these communities and probably the least incredible to be talking about what's going on. I just know that whatever it is, something's amiss because it's in my backyard now and it, and, and I, and it wasn't before. Right. So it's, it's something I, I have to think about, talk about, and it impacts my family. But, um, to kind of move to a different topic, guys, um, a couple of things. One is, and, and we'll make these real quick. So there's this really heated debate right now. And I don't know why marketers are getting so up and roar about this blue check, pay for it or not pay for it. Uh, the ones who are paying for it are fighting with the ones who aren't paying for it. And the ones who aren't paying for it are calling the ones who did pay for it names. <laughs> Super freaking Betty. I don't care if you pay for it or don't like do what you want to do. I'm just curious. So I paid for it. All right. I paid for it on Facebook and I paid for it on Twitter. I'll give my logic in a minute. Uh, Stefan, where are you on it? Pay or don't pay? Pay. And the reason being, I've had enough of imposters on Instagram that have uh, made fake profiles of me and messaged people. And I'm sick and tired of dealing with uh, all these different people. And honestly, that's what it should be for, right? It's just verification that this is your real profile, right? It got status over the years because it was some exclusive thing that only a few people could get. And if you got it, you were a big deal. But really the main function is just verification. So like I now no longer have to worry so much about people making fake profiles of me and trying to scam people into Forex or whatever the heck they're doing. Like it's just that's my profile has a blue check mark. Derek? Yeah, no, I'm for it. I mean, at, at the end of the day, especially with AI and deep fakes and where we're at now, um, I, I think it's even more important if you're somebody that has any sort of influence or following that you have some sort of, uh, you know, check, this is actually that person. Look, when a guy on Instagram by the name of Onik using my picture tries to message me and sell me crypto, we have a problem and that needs to be solved. And Instagram stopped, started giving literally two shits, zero shits about helping stop these things. They actually one time said, we're done. We're trying done trying to fight this crap. Here's what I find fascinating. All right. To all of you who are against paying for it, first of all, good for you. Don't pay for the damn thing. Why is it so, why do you get your panties in a bunch to such a degree that you got to go attack the ones who do, right? That's like, 
I own a, I own a Audi. You really hate Audis. Like it, you, you've got something wrong with your life if you're going to spend time attacking me about my car. I like my Audi. But here's what I find fascinating. So Facebook, do you remember when Zuckerberg was on Congress, in front of Congress, a few years ago? And everyone's on an uproar, and everyone's like, ah, ah, stop with the ads, ads are evil, da da da, you should just make paid platforms, we'd pay for it. And it's like, no, you wouldn't. It, literally, people are like, no, you wouldn't. Like, the ads is the only way this thing works. Well, so Elon Musk comes out and says, I'm going to do the blue check mark, I'm going to make you pay for it. Every, I love this, because everyone attacked him, said he's crazy and insane. A few months later, Facebook does it. But I love what Elon recently came out and said. He goes, hey, Blue check marks, if you have a blue check mark, you're going to see 50% less ads. It's going to be harder to advertise to you. So he's actually living up to the damn thing that everyone's asking for. It's like, and I was like, hey, I'm, that's cool. I don't use Twitter much. I, I would love if Facebook would show me less ads. Like, please, like, I get, holy shit. And TikTok, by the way. I'm seeing a ton of ads now on TikTok. Um, but I, I just don't, I, what I don't understand is why do you care so much? If you don't want to pay for it, just don't pay for it. Like, yeah. go get a life. Like, leave the rest of the people alone. And this is where it's like, people feel them for, like I have yet to make a post, and I don't think I ever will, saying, if you don't have a blue check mark, you're a loser. If you don't have a blue check mark, you don't have a blue check mark. You decide not to pay for it. Good for you, right? Um, but anyways, so that's interesting. Uh, Derek, this is an interesting one for you. Amazon starts charging for refunds. Yeah, okay. So. And it's funny you bring this up because I was actually digging into this uh, the other day, trying to understand it. Okay, so uh, I mean, re returns, especially in the e-com space, are just abused, right? And we train society to order ten things and return nine, but the there's there's huge cost to that. So, yeah. but what's interesting, there's a real strategic move that Amazon just made, and they've been slow walking to this. Okay, so a while ago, if you remember back historically, you could have UPS come pick something up, a return for free. They come to your house, right? And it didn't cost you anything. Amazon said, no more. You can drop off at the UPS store, and uh, it's it's free to return stuff. Great. So they came out and they said, it's going to cost $1 for returns. And that was what the headline was, right? $1 yes. per return. And, and people love headlines, and that's what everybody reads, but there's a, so much more to it than that, right? So, so he, and I actually broke down some math because I was curious about this, right? So first they said, okay, it's, it's $1 per return. I went, I wonder how much revenue that's going to generate for them because that doesn't seem meaningful to me, right? So I did the math. They, they did about 586 million orders last year, right? Let's assume that there's a 10% return rate on that, could be higher. That's 58.6 million returns, right? Let's say they charged a dollar for every one of those, that's $58 million to their bottom line, right? For any company, that's a pretty solid, you know, uh, amount of money. But for them, that's that's actually not that much. I'm like, there's got to be a bigger, something bigger at play here. And, and so as I started digging into it, um, what it is, is you can no longer return to a UPS store for free, right? But you can return to Whole Foods, you can return to Kohl's, and you can return to Amazon stores at zero cost. And so Kohl's, the reason Kohl's initially did this deal with them, they're like, you know how much foot traffic that generated into our stores? just doing the deal to take their returns. And I think Kohl's is a potential acquisition target for Amazon anyway. So really what this play is, 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 is sure, $58 million, that's nothing for Amazon. Um, 
what they're trying to do is they're trying to shift their foot traffic into the stores that they're going to benefit from. More people in Whole Foods, more people in Kohl's, because I think they're going to buy Kohl's and they got to deal with Kohl's, and more people in their Amazon stores. It's like refunders are still buyers. It reminds me of when I have someone yeah. cancel something, I still put 10 more things in front of their face after they cancel. It's the same kind of thing. Well, so smart, right? and, and Derek, get into it. It's, 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 the, the, it's, it's deeper. Uh, so we just tried to. So by the way, of the 58.6 million returns you talked about, my dad is half of them. He returns everything. <laughs> <sighs> like if it wasn't for me using my own account, I, Jeff Bezos would have personally called me and said, get the hell off of Amazon. Like my parents, they return everything and they have access to my account. And, um, and so I buy a lot and I don't return stuff, but like I'm talking about like $4 and 82 cents. And I'll be like, dad, just like, man, you measured the nut wrong. Like that's the wrong, like, just like, let's just like, just like, let it be, man. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, yeah. but love them. But anyways, he returns a lot of stuff. I've told him this all the time. So uh, for the first time we tried to return something from my wife's account. I think we, I think the whole thing we bought was like 16 bucks. Do you know what the refund cost came to? Like what it was going to charge us? $4. So I don't know where that $1 comes from, but this is, this is fresh. This is yesterday. We tried to hit refund and now it put us in an interesting pickle. Cause we're like, well, maybe we just keep it. Right. Because it's like, I don't know, like 16 or $17 versus. I didn't know that. I don't know that. So I'm going to go ask her whether it was like a pickup or yeah. But it wasn't a dollar is what I'm trying to say. It was four. So there is some extra asterisks underneath of that. But that that you're you're 100 percent right. That is a I mean, we have um, right down the street. Literally, if you turn the corner from the Learn Center, they're opening their Amazon fresh grocery store. Um, it's been pending opening for like a year. I'm waiting for it to open because I'm fascinated by the idea of not having to check out. Um, so it will increase foot traffic. Wow, I did not know that. That's brilliant. That's really yeah. smart. Yeah, it's, it's funny. When I, right when I saw that, I, I, I was like, there's got to be a deeper reason they did this because one dollar yeah. is not meaningful enough to impact returns. No, no, no. If I go to Whole Foods, I mean, we already buy from Whole Foods. So if I need to return, I'll, yeah. I'll go to Whole Foods. And if I go, if I, my, if, if me, if I walk into Whole Foods, that's $200 minimum. I'm not, Easy. I'm not walking out. I'm spending $200. Yeah. Um, all right. So first of all, guys, this has been a fascinating episode. I think one of my favorites so far um, that I've done on these. So really interesting stuff. Stefan, I know I want you to talk a little bit about the life. Inspire some of the younger men out there. Um, the offer is still available to the ladies, onic at learn.com. Send me your resume, your survey, pictures, a little bit about you. We'll pass it on to Stefan. Let's see if we can get you on a date with him in New York. But Stefan, you're living the life. You're traveling. I remember so you were in Brazil recently. Um, you just Argentina, Argentina. Yes, close enough. So what's what's that like? That's the life a lot of a lot of people want to live. What's it like? Well, you know, uh, it's pretty great. Uh, I'll start by saying that. But you know, to speak a little bit to what Derek said earlier, you know, for a lot of people who are uh, and there's a lot of people who are remote working now and are just bored still. You know what I mean? And, uh, if you are in the position where you could travel more, I say start traveling more. And uh, you know, Anik, I've spoke to you about this as well. Like Americans don't really travel. Maybe Canadians travel a little more, but yeah, Americans do not really travel. And I think they have no clue what's out there. You know, my dad, he came from Italy uh, to the States when he was a kid and he never went back to Italy. He's in Italy for the first time, literally in his seventies uh, right now. And uh, he's like, he's like, I can't believe I didn't come back sooner. 
You know what I mean? So it's, uh, I think that on the travel aspect, I really wish more Americans would just get up and go because just perspective alone, I think a lot of Americans mm. perspectives in general on life would change if they just got out of the country a little bit more. So, so Stefan, can I just pause there real quick? I just want to add one public announcement to what you just said. If you hate America, go visit another country. Go, go visit some other parts of the world and then come back and tell me how much you hate America. Okay, anyways, go ahead, Stefan. Yeah, fair. And, and there's, I think like there's, they're going to see things that are going to make them change their perspective on America in a good way and in a bad way, you know? But mm -hmm. just having 100%. Yes, exactly. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Both. It's bad. both. It's both. And I think that for me, as the person who, speaking a little bit to what Derek said about those people who are not sure what to do, right? I'm So I'm 32 now for the ladies, just who want to know. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm single and my friends, a lot of my college friends, my high school friends are married. They're starting to have kids. And obviously your friendship is not the same when that happens. The single guy is not going to be hanging out with Bill, who's got his two kids and, and raising them all the time. Right. So what do you do? And I said, I'm single. I run a location independent business. What am I going to do? I started traveling. It was the only logical explanation. And like I said, I think that has been such an eye opening experience for me mm -hmm. because I see different cultures. I see different experiences. I do like dating in different countries. I've learned Spanish just by dating. I actually went to Colombia and Argentina, went on a bunch of dates and learned the language because I had to speak to people because it was like total immersion. If you either spoke or the date was going to go horrible, you know what I mean? So that was really, really interesting. Uh, but you also try, you get to eat so many different types of foods. You know what I mean? It's just, I think it, it's the ultimate uh, perspective opener and uh, you know, I love it. Now, one thing I'll, I'll say on that really quickly is I learned very quickly that I can't travel out of a suitcase full time, because if, if you're literally like in a suitcase and, you know, in one month you're in Argentina and the next month you're like, where the heck am I going? You're literally it's, it's like you're stressed because you're like you have you feel like you have no home. So I learned for me, I like to base somewhere like six months out of the year and then take trips like, you know, so basically like over the course of a year, I'm home six months, but in between I have like a different trip. So that balance for me has worked. Cause I called you homeless earlier. So maybe I was wrong. I gotta, I, I gotta correct myself. Do you have like an apartment in New York or do you have temporary housing when you come to New York? I, I, re I rent an apartment in New York. I have probably the best uh, rent deal in the country right now. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Uh, and it's like an expensive storage locker basically. But uh, yeah, I pay 1300 <laughs> a month for one bedroom and I just travel, I, you know, I keep wow. the place. Okay. All right. So you got, you got your, got your anchor roots in New York and then, then you hit the road everywhere else. I love what you said. You're right. Um, I'm very focused right now on international expansion. I've been very publicly talking about it. Um, Doug from BOE sent me a video of Neil Patel, uh, in a, in a podcast interview and the podcast guest asked Neil Patel, Hey, what do you think is the biggest opportunity right now in 2023 for business owners? And he looks him dead in the eyes and he goes international expansion get out of the US, get out of the, the top five countries. That's not where the opportunities are now. It's in the rest of them. And I'm like, yes, because I've been talking about this in the board of experts nonstop. And we are really in the middle for me. I'm going to go to India because it just makes sense. And then from there, branch out to other countries. Um, but I recently visited India and that's what really just lit me up on fire in January. And I go to I used to go to India like I used to go to India six, seven times a year for many years. But then since 2019, I haven't been. And so post pandemic, the entire country has fundamentally shifted. It's changed. What would have taken it 10 years happened in a year, year and a half. And I was just blown away and, and love, honestly, just with how enterprising everyone there was. So, but then also when I came back, I was very happy about a few things that I get to come back to also. So 
you're going to get both. But yeah, I agree with you, dude. Uh, anyone who's not traveling and Americans more than any other country don't like to leave America. It's a, it's a common thing. Americans will travel within America. You got to keep in mind too, is because I'm Canadian. The, the reason I see America, you don't need to travel. For a Canadian, if we want to go somewhere tropical or hot or a nice beach, we have to leave our own country. When you think about the size of the U.S., you have amazing ski resorts, you have amazing beaches, you have tropical, you have, you have it's such a big country that expands north to south. Yeah. You can have any kind of vacation, per se, without leaving the country. Sure. True. Well, Derek, talk, talk to me for a couple minutes as we kind of wrap things up. You've you've yeah. literally run businesses out of other countries. You've you've been very big in in Asia. Uh, yeah. Talk and, and you haven't for a few years. And something tells me we'll kind of go back in that direction again together. But what have what are some things that you've seen the differences between like the West and running businesses out, oh, in, in these other countries? Yeah. So, I mean, the last time I did events was just right before COVID started. Right. And then it all shut down. But um, so uh, the first time, actually, I went overseas to a non-Western or one of the big five countries was in 2006. Actually, I did my very wow. first event back in Singapore and in Malaysia. And uh, so I've watched those countries kind of evolve and grow and come more and more online. And then in 2017, uh, I went to the Philippines for the first time as well. And uh, and a lot of people said, don't go to the Philippines. It's not, you know, you can't sell high ticket stuff there. Um, but we proved that it was, it was wrong. And it's exactly what you've been talking about in India, right? When you get into these emerging markets, First of all, they're not over-marketed to, right? Um, you know, trying to get people to show up for a webinar in the U.S., they've had 10 different webinar offers that day, right? Or a free conference or whatever. Whereas when you go into a, a, a market that hasn't seen that, people are more open to it. Your lead costs are a fraction of what they are. Um, and, and to that point, though, you do need to realize when you're talking about countries like, say, Malaysia or Philippines or India, where the buying power is not quite the same, you're, you're going to see a lower conversion rate. But your lead yeah. costs are so much lower that the uh the, the math actually works right um and it, it's interesting you know that every country's a little bit different in how they they react and buy i remember the first time i went to singapore and and it's held true the entire time you get in front of a singapore audience and they sit there and they stare nobody cracks a smile they're very very serious like i was like I'm going to bomb because I was selling from stage. I'm like, this sucks. I mean, might as well just quit now, right? Yeah, I did my clothes and everybody, you know, very organized and, you know, in order, got up, went to the back room and bought, right? I'm like, oh my God, I totally read that wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. um, you go to the Philippines and it's a freaking party, man. It's like an MLM conference where everybody's like, a rock concert uh, and, and they freaking love it. But your conversion is going to be lower because they just don't have the buying power, right? Yeah. Um, but all of these countries is where the opportunity is. I mean, right now, even in my e-com, like literally my first shipment of product just landed in our Netherlands warehouse last week because we're going into Germany, right? Um, and then the France and then Eastern Europe and stuff like that. That's where all the low-hanging fruit sits right now. When I look at media costs in Germany, the CPMs are way, way lower. And for that matter, the, they've got buying power, right? Um, 
I'm not, I honestly, people put up this barrier and, oh, I can't do that or I won't do that. You're missing out. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. So if you guys are around us, if you're in the board of experts, if you're in the Expert Summit Facebook group, or if you're listening to my podcast, international expansion is something that I have been talking about with my team. Anyone in my team, you can ask. It's been five, six years. This year, I was like, forget it. I don't care. I'm doing it. It's, I'm not missing this boat. So I'm talking to everybody right now. First of all, Stefan says, fine, you don't want to grow your business and expand internationally. Don't. At least go visit the damn country and see something outside of the country. But when you do that, you're probably going to see how much opportunity there is to be a part of these other economies. Um, just to that point, Webinar Confidential, we're driving leads to it right now. A lead in India costs me at this current moment less than even what I recently published. It cost me 2.4% of an American lead, 2.4%. I'm spending 98% less money to get that lead. Believe me, their buying power, purchasing power is not 98% less than an American. It might be 50%, 60% less, but it ain't 98% less. And that differential between the 60 and 98 is going to close over the next many years to come. So that's the opportunity. And this isn't just India. This isn't the many, 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 many countries around the world. So figure out which one's right for you. And I would really tell everybody to scale and expand into it. Um, guys, we are over time, but it's been an absolutely epic episode. Thank you so much for being a part of this test that we're running here called the Expert Talk. Um, Derek, where can people find you, follow you, throw money at you and just get to know more about you about you oh, i do well if you want to see what we're doing in the e-com space head on over to ecomexpert.com we've got a podcast a bunch of fun stuff you and i are working on and uh yeah all right ecomexpert.com guys everyone you start a new podcast derek and i are actually working on something really cool for anyone who's in the e-com space so track it there stefan where can people find you and give you money uh, bumble.com no i'm kidding uh <laughs> bumble.com forward slash stefan uh, just uh, getwebinarkit.com. I run a webinar software. You can find me there. Getwebinarkit.com. And to all the ladies, he's 32, single, ready to mingle. New York, onicatlearn.com. Send me your credentials, and I will vet you first. Uh, be serious, and then we'll get Stefan to take on a date. Stefan, don't laugh, because the last person I ever had on video where I, on my podcast, his name is Jeremy, and I used to do an out shout, shout out for him. Dude is married. He married someone that was a learned student, so. <laughs> We're gonna follow this episode. It could, it could happen, man, it could happen. All right, guys, love you guys. Thanks so much for being here. And to the rest of you, remember, make sure you click like, follow, comment below, show us some love, and uh, look forward to seeing all your feedback. If you're listening to us on an audio platform, click subscribe, leave us a great review. Um, onicshow.com for all the latest and greatest, onicpodcast.com for all the past <laughs> greatest. Um, these are where you can find our episodes. And as I always say, when life pushes you, stand straight, smile, and push it the heck back. See you guys.